He has been involved with rural communications for over 20 years, working with rural communication providers and cooperatives. He brings a deep understanding of the issues and resource needs surrounding broadband. We have a Mr. Ted DeRiso. How you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. As everybody knows here at 10 Minutes of Truth, we just have a conversation. And we just want people to know about the excellent job you guys have been doing and that you will continue to do throughout the community. So further ado, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. DeRiso. Yeah, so uh, we came up to Virginia back in 2004. Uh, so I was uh, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we uh, started, I guess this whole idea started back in 2000, uh, January of 2000, uh, working with the uh, Old Dominion Electric Cooperative. As you all know, they have the big power station in Clover. Right. Uh, and one of the things they were looking at way back then was how do we solve the economy? How do we help improve economic development? How do we solve this new thing called broadband? Uh, because in rural Virginia, the costs were just so ex um, so high uh, to get things done and try to attract new business. Um, so as I came in uh, as a consultant and talked about different ways to do this, uh, got very engaged in the project and it uh, kind of formed from 2000 to 2004, uh, a lot of work before a lot of people to get to a place where we could say, hey, this is a business case. We'll have some funding from the Tobacco Commission, funding from the federal government, and we can actually go build this and do what we say we're going to do. Um, so that was the impetus to do that. I uh, relocated our family up to uh, Richmond, outside of Richmond, Virginia, back in 04, and just recently moved to Bracey, Virginia, in Mecklenburg County. Um, but it's been a, a great adventure to see uh, how much uh, things have improved over the years and uh, the impact that we've been able to make in the region. Wow, that's a lot. Um, then that's great. Uh, well, Mid-Atlantic Broadband, uh, NBC owns and operates nearly 2,000 miles of open fiber optic networks in 30 counties in Southern Virginia, correct? Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. So how, area, does, right. so how does the tentacles of what you do here expand out? Yeah, so uh, was interesting enough that when we started this idea right. of building NBC, uh, the idea was how do we serve all of the counties within the Tobacco Commission footprint? So if you think about Southern Virginia, we call that uh, areas extending from Patrick County all the way east to Emporia, Greensville County, uh, up through Bedford and then over towards Buckingham, Cumberland, Dinwiddie counties. Uh, it was important for us that uh, we level the playing field because the biggest challenge we had in rural Virginia was that if you located a business here back in the early 2000s, uh, you were paying eight times to 50 times more for broadband access than what you could pay in a Richmond or a Charlotte or a Northern Virginia. Mm. So that is obviously a major deterrent for companies that have broadband as an important part of their business uh, to come and locate here in the region. So uh, we came up with this idea that said, hey, if you build a, an open access network, that can bring competition and bring market pricing, said all we want to do is just level the playing field, right? So we have, uh, in Southern Virginia, we have a great workforce, dedicated workers, good taxes, good location, but the broadband was the big problem. Right. Um, so we were able to, to solve that, and you're starting to see some uh, improvements in the economic development, more jobs coming, more investment, and more people getting broadband, which is, right. you know, at the end of the day, very important. Great. That's great. Um, excuse me, because for a, a lot of 
our listeners, we have a wide variety of listeners at 10 Minutes of Truth. Um, some, you know, Fortune 500, and then you have the everyday commuter to his job. Sure, uh, sure. Can you just explain what broadband is? Yes. Uh, so broadband is basically having a connection to the Internet that is high speed that's always on. Uh, so think about it. You open up your phone or you go to a uh, open up your laptop, your tablet computer or your desktop computer uh, and you go to your internet search bar, your email, it automatically comes up. You don't have to log on like a dial up connection, uh, like calling a phone number back in the old days, right? Um, Just gives you the ability to to have that connection to the outside world, but have it come to you uh, very quickly. Uh, as far as you know, speed and downloading information and, and things like that. Okay, okay. So, uh, how does that tie into what people would know as Wi-Fi? Yep. So, if you think about your house, okay. you have a uh, connection. So, you'll be sitting on your couch or on your porch, and you may have a, a phone, uh, like an iPhone or a any kind of mobile phone, right. uh, or a tablet or a laptop, and that has a Wi-Fi connection to. Uh, It has various terms. It's called a switch or a router, where if you buy your service from a cable company or you buy DSL from CenturyLink or someone else, uh, it has a signal that it pushes out and it has a Wi-Fi connection. You log on and you get your connection wirelessly. Uh, If you have a cell phone that's connected to the cellular network, like you buy from Cricket or AT&T, T-Mobile, U.S. Cellular, Verizon Wireless, uh, lots of different cellular providers. Uh, That's not necessarily Wi-Fi. That's just a connection from the cellular network that comes into your phone, uh, which then you can do Wi-Fi hotspots if you have kids that are, you know, connected to a tablet that, you know, may have to do some schoolwork or uh, things like that. So it's it's a lot of crazy technology terms out there, but at the end of the day, it's about a device that a person has and how do they connect to the outside world. It could be through Wi-Fi, it could be through cellular, um, but at the end of the day, they all have to have a connection to the outside world from their home, and that's where we come in and uh, help those companies that are getting that connection to the home, we help those companies get to the outside world. Oh, okay. Great information. So, I, I mean, it's because it's more so, like I said, for myself as well, because, you know, most of the time we just, you know, what's the speed or how fast is it? Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Because we, which we'll get into, like, difference in, you know, I, I have used net. I'm in Scottsburg versus uh, Xfinity. Sure, and, sure. And, you know, I sometimes I had to go to my mother's house because I want to upload Absolutely. something faster, <laughs> and which we'll, you know, we'll definitely talk about. But let me ask you, why did you choose this career path? Uh, it's been interesting. So I look back to uh, growing up in Atlanta, uh, suburbs of Atlanta, uh, and I've always had jobs that uh, end up helping people. Um, so in the early days, I, I worked my way through school. Um, so I uh, had two great parents and a brother, uh, but never really had money to go you know, big time college or anything. Right. I'm a massive Georgia Tech fan, but my math grades weren't right. anywhere near to get into <laughs> right. a big school like that, right? right. Engineering school. Um, so when I was at uh, Georgia State University, it took me seven and a half years to get my undergraduate. Okay. Uh, but I enjoyed the fact that uh, well, it was very hard at the time, right. uh, but working my way through and I ended up, uh, was fortunate enough to get a, a kind of a technical job at a consulting company in Atlanta doing spreadsheet stuff and database things. I was really into computers, enjoyed all that stuff, um, and was able to work my way through school, uh, which is why it took so long. (laughs) Uh, But having the ability to um, 
somebody comes to you with a problem that they, you know, using too much energy in a, in a housing authority or they're using, you know, need to connect more buildings on a campus and how do they do that stuff? Uh, for me to be part of a team that would go in, diagnose a problem, uh, kind of come up with recommendations, come up with a budget, be able to present that to the people that make the money decisions and then have them say, great idea, we're going to do it, or bad idea, you're an idiot. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Um, but it was always uh, kind of exciting for me to get in that world. And uh, the consulting company I was with, uh, they had a facility division and communications division. So in 96, uh, I started there in 1989, uh, they asked me to uh, come on to the telecom side of the business. Hmm. That was a big growing part of the business. And they like the idea that I could talk to different people and I wasn't a uh, engineer, so to speak. Um, so they felt that uh, that was a good kind of career path. Uh, so I went that way and never looked back. I just really enjoyed the communications world and getting keep people connected to broadband because, you know, when you think about it, you haven't had it yet or the cable company, whoever says, hey, we've got service now, you can get this. And then when right. you get that connection and you're actually going from a dial up to like, right cable modem speeds or DSL. I mean, even DSL at the time was exciting. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's it's a great feeling right. to be able to get that done. Great. And uh, we appreciate that service, especially here in, you know, a place like Halifax County. Um, that brings me to, this is a beautiful building. I, 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 I hope that, you know, we'll have pictures that people will be able to see up, man. Because y'all did a great job here. Thank you. Uh, how did... NBC connect with Microsoft? Great question. We love this story. <laughs> I lo I'm going to love this story. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? So I think it was around 2008. Uh, we were part of a team that worked with the state of Virginia. They have an economic development partnership called VEDP. Uh, and they had a, a group that recruited data centers. So even back in 2008, typically Northern Virginia, tech hubs, tech companies were all gravitating to Northern Virginia to build these big data centers. Uh, what was interesting is uh, Microsoft had a project that was looking up and down the East Coast for a major kind of cloud computing facility. This was fairly new at the time, uh, so it was something that uh, they needed to be outside of a major metro area. They needed a lot of land to build a lot of buildings with a lot of servers. Mm to basically act as a server farm, right? And they need it to, to be done as cheaply as, or cost-effectively as right. possible. Uh, so from 2008 to 2010, they were going through the search. Uh, at the end of the day, they selected uh, two sites in two states. One was in Virginia, one was in North Carolina. Uh, at the time, and this was around 2010, they, uh, North Carolina kept beating Virginia because of the tax incentives. Mm. Uh, and their power rates were a little better. The politics in North Carolina were really pushing these, uh, you know, lower the tax rates for data centers because that creates jobs and investments in tax base. Uh, so you had a lot of companies going to Western North Carolina to locate. So we knew that when Microsoft was looking, we wanted to have that relationship. We wanted to have them in Virginia and specifically Southern Virginia, which is the site they were looking at. Uh, so we were able to make the pitch um, and say we're part of this. So Dominion, our governor at the time, was able to uh, have a big discussion that all the executives and site team came in and said, hey, let's uh, figure out how to, how to make this work. And the biggest question was on the broadband access. So the carrier that they used to connect all their nationwide sites had no fiber in Southern Virginia. And they said, we have fiber like 
80 miles one way and 60 miles the other way, uh, it's going to cost millions of dollars for us to extend our fiber to you. And so Microsoft, we were in the meeting and we said, time out. We're, <laughs> we're this company called NBC right, <laughs> and right. we have fiber right at Boynton Plank Industrial Park. Right. Uh, so uh, as a labor of love to make this work, we made six trips to Redmond, Washington in five months meet with that team and talked about, hey, this is the network, this is what we have available, uh, and we can make this work. We're a carrier class network. It was built to your standards. Uh, and that was enough to, to help push Virginia over the edge, plus some tax incentives, right. uh, to make them uh, make Boydton the selection for their new East Coast site. So that really started the relationship. Uh, and I would say if you look at the several years after 2010, they were building, they were growing, but it was really all focused on the data center, all focused on how do we, you know, get more power, get more fiber, let's make this work. Uh, when Satya Nadella, the new CEO of Microsoft came in, completely changed the culture of Microsoft. And it was about, hey, think about where we're at, right? We're a multi-billion dollar company. We are, um, you know, vanguards of this new technology. We have a corporate responsibility to invest in the communities that we're serving. And it's mm. not about investing in data centers and doing all that stuff. That's great, but we need to make a bigger impact because we have a global footprint. Uh, and we were so excited when Microsoft started launching that initiative to say, let's do more in the yes, public sir. area. Let's do more for our communities. Uh, and because we're a not-for-profit organization that really care about our communities, right. perfect fit. So that's how we, uh, wow. we got started and they made the decision to come here. That's a great story, great story. And I'm glad that you, you, you guys just stepped up to get in that space. I, you know, just talking about Carolina, it's, it's, it's funny that you were saying that um, they were having more, you know, taxes and incentives, so on and so forth. But, I, but it seems like at times they're more behind than we are. In certain things. Absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, wow, they was getting these breaks, but it's great that you guys got in. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you guys were one of the first occupants over at the uh, tech park? Yes. Yeah, the did, Southern Virginia Tech Park. Yeah. Okay. You still occupy over there, or did y'all make this the main hub? So, so this is our main hub now for okay. the Soviet Innovation Hub, but we still lease uh, space at the Southern Virginia Technology Park. I think we call it Building One. Okay. Uh, in the basement, we have a very big telecom node there uh, where a lot of companies have interconnection with a lot of fiber, so that's pretty critical part of our network. Um, so we uh, work with the IDA to continue to lease space there. So that fiber that, that you were speaking about, and that's what got you in. Can you talk about that a little bit for the audience that uh, was the fiber optic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, is, what, what, what exactly is that? Yeah, so the easiest way to think about it is um, if you look at a cable, it's, um, it's nothing exciting, right? It's a, it's a piece of cable with a bunch of plastic and glass in it. You look at it, you're like, what does that mean? Uh, easiest way I think about it is would we put that fiber within the uh, Route 58 mm -hmm. on the edge of pavement or uh, on the poles for Dominion or Mecklenburg Electric? Uh, that fiber was like building 144-lane highway on Route 58, right? Wow. So, so the way that we thought about it was... You know, before NBC came along, there wasn't any options or very few options for people to connect into South Boston, 
right? If you're thinking about uh, Comcast, Verizon, CenturyLink, uh, they have networks here and they've upgraded over time. But at the time when we decided to do this in 2004, uh, there wasn't advanced fiber optics, open access, mm. allowing other providers or other carriers into the network to compete or into the community. Uh, so what we did was went from basically a four-lane road to a 144-lane highway mm. and then opened up all of that opportunity for other carriers and people to be able to access and, and do things. Um, so Comcast has been able to use that network to upgrade their facilities here and in other locations to provide cable modem service, to provide more channel choice. Uh, and they, they just didn't have that option before. Right. Um, so it's a great way that we've been able to enable private sector telecom providers to improve the services that they deliver to the community. Wow. That's a, it, it was exciting a little bit, though, yeah. <laughs> when you started talking about it, uh, because it's just it's phenomenal. Uh, you have a great responsibility, right? Great responsibility. Um, and a great weight on your shoulder just taking uh, this type of task on for the community. Can you just uh, tell us about the NBC family, the people that you have around you and their commitment to NBC? Absolutely. Uh, it's probably one of our best success stories because you, you think about 2004 right. when we started, it was myself and a part-time admin assistant mm. from Danville. And and to, to grow it from there, we were zero dollars of revenue. It was me and uh, Nina Beth Thornton, who was our original employee from Chatham, Virginia. Uh, and being able to put a team together to grow that, to have carriers and providers kind of embrace what we're doing and start serving and doing other things. Uh, it's just been amazing and fantastic. We've had a great group of folks that have uh, come on board. Uh, really the culture we drive here is, um, you know, inclusivity, uh, working together, teamwork, uh, everybody's focused on the community. And we have a lot of folks here that work with us that are very technically minded that they could probably go to Silicon Valley, California and make a lot more money. But we're from here, we love this area, we love what we're doing, and it's not about the money, right? It's, right. Um, it's important that you know, we're giving back, we're doing more things for the community, supporting our community colleges and all these things. So as we make more money, and the beautiful part of being a not-for-profit organization is all the profit we make goes right back into the network, right wow. back into community projects, right? Nobody owns the company, so wow. I don't own it, our board of directors doesn't own it, Really, the community owns it. Um, so that's wow. that's been a real big part of us uh, having success because we we don't have you know large financial backers that require massive returns and you know suck all the money out of the organization. Um, so we're able to you know really make a difference here and the team that we put together locally. We just uh, you know love working together and even with the pandemic, it's been really hard, right? Mm. Working remote, we haven't seen some of our folks in a while. Uh, but we see each other on Microsoft Teams video calls once a week. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but we work together, and everybody's really stepped up to the plate and uh, and have been able to continue doing our jobs and continuing to you know help a lot of our folks have kids doing virtual school. Right. So having that flexibility, just saying, let's just get the job done, whatever it takes, uh, has been a tremendous testament to to our team and their ability to get things done. So wow, really love that. Everybody, I hope that y'all, that was a lot to take in at 10 Minutes of Truth. It was a lot to take in, but it kind of, it, it, 
uh, you may have to cut this out, cameraman, because my mouth kind of fell open when he was like, you know, just saying community and that the community owns it. I mean, that is, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I have small children. I actually have a daughter in VCU, had to come back home. And it's so important to have that broadband, to have that access. Um, so once again, thank you and your team for everything that you guys are doing. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I want to say with, uh, with that type of partnership, uh, uh, talk about your, uh, the investment, right, in the community with these two powerful companies merging together. What does broadband do for rural places like Halifax on, on a small scale and then a, a larger one moving forward? Sure. Uh, so what's been interesting that you know, in order to to make Halifax connected, uh, you know, we have Danville, Martinsville, all these different communities around us connected in 30-something counties, as you mentioned earlier. Right. Uh, the idea was you have to connect to something, right? So over the years, uh, we have been able to generate about $100 million of grant funds from the Virginia Tobacco Commission, about $60 million, and from the federal... Uh, programs, uh, whether it's EDA, whether it's uh, the NTIA program, about $40 million to help provide that connectivity. So the great part about our model is that it's allowing public dollars to flow in to Mm. solve what private sector will not invest in. Mm. And it's not because they don't want to, right? Right. And we always correct people. They say, oh, it's Verizon's fault or it's CenturyLink's fault or it's (laughs) Comcast's fault. It's not, right? They they have a different metric. They have financial metrics. You, You know, for... Uh, some of those companies to try to get hundreds of millions of dollars to upgrade rural networks right. never happened, right? right? And, and it shouldn't because they're investor-driven. Right. Uh, but we have a different mission in life, so we use those public dollars, invest in the long-term infrastructure that's going to make a difference in our region, and then we're able to sell that or lease that infrastructure to others. And then the money that comes in, we pay for the maintenance, the upkeep, and continued expansion of that network. Um, so when you look at uh, what Empower is doing here in Halifax with the electric cooperative, uh, when you look at uh, River Street Networks, Comcast, CenturyLink, I mean, there's so much activity around building more of that last mile, right? Mm-hmm. Building that connection to the home or to the business right. to give those folks the ability to, to access the internet and to have that uh, opportunity you know, to, to connect and to have that broadband access. So that's a big part of that. And there's a lot of money that's been invested to date, but there is a lot more coming that's right. going to get more and more people invested uh, right. because of all these stimulus programs and others. That's so that's beautiful. pretty exciting. That's great. And, I, you know, I remember you saying earlier having those stakeholders that don't look for those large uh, returns, so on and so forth. So, you know, that's, that type of team and that type of ethic, it means a lot. You know, and I, this is my first time meeting you, but you seem very genuine. And uh, that's why we definitely had to have you on 10 Minutes of Truth, as well as I stood in front of your business in the paper and took sure. pictures. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. So, so, you know, I, I appreciate that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just phenomenal, man, what you guys are doing. And, you know, like I said, you guys are, you seem very genuine and, and, and up to the task. So we, we really appreciate that. So let me ask you, um, uh, NBC uh, reduces the cost of internet access for wholesale customers, right? And reduces the time and cost for, to reach customers in rural Virginia markets. With that said, explain the difference between how broadband works to say a rural place like Halifax uh, versus a more densely populated metropolis like Richmond. Okay. 
Yeah, so in Richmond, uh, you have the ability to, uh, what they call densification, that's a big word in our industry, uh, where you think about a neighborhood or a subdivision uh, where you may have 30, 40, 100 homes per mile, <laughs> right? So if you think about how much it costs to build a mile of, of fiber, uh, think about that from anywhere from twenty to $50,000, right, per mile okay. that you have to build. Well, in a major area like a Richmond, you can spread that twenty dollars to $50,000 over 100 customers, 200 customers, mm -hmm. right, households, okay. uh, and the math works pretty easy. Well, you get into rural Halifax, and you're down to six customers, maybe seven customers per mile. Wow. Right? So that creates a, a very difficult financial <laughs> right. <laughs> math. Right. Right? Right. I, like I mentioned, I'm not good at engineering, but right. I was fairly good at math to understand right. that doesn't work. Right. Um, so that's why these subsidies are so important, what, what the state of Virginia is putting in for their VADI program, uh, the Virginia Telecom Initiative program, Okay. what the feds, feds are putting in. And it's not to compete with the private sector unfairly, it's really to give the rural areas a fighting chance because, you know, out of no fault of their own, it costs the same amount of money in Halifax to build a fiber as it does in uh, Richmond, mm. uh, but yet it's more difficult to get a return on that investment. So mm. by subsidizing that with public dollars, that makes it easier for everybody else to get connected. Uh, and that's the way you make that work. If you had to have a private sector investor that went to a bank to finance the build of that to get six or seven folks connected, and you had to have a return of like three to five years, right, to pay right. off your loan, uh, people would be having to pay 500 to $700 a month for a broadband connection. I don't know about y'all, but I can't afford that. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot of people can. Uh, so it makes it uh, very difficult to right. make, that, make that work. So that's where we come in is really help reduce that cost mm. um, and make it more affordable for companies to come in and provide that last mile right. connection. Right. You know, a lot of people, well, you know, now, hopefully, hopefully, guys, uh, you guys will understand uh, that Mr. DeRiso and this type of team, it's a community service. Uh, it's a deep community service that a lot of us, we don't think about because now our children, and, you know, are growing up in this environment and all they want to know is, listen, I cannot get to the game. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, uh, just to be able to break down these technical terms and things, uh, we really appreciate it once again. Um, I remember you were talking about uh, that node that you have over there, and we know that this is just one node in the uh, digital genome. Um, what is the next? Uh, uh, what is next for uh, Mid Atlantic and um, Microsoft here in Halifax? Yeah, we've uh, got a great partnership with Microsoft and what they call their TechSpark initiative. Okay. Uh, and we talked about the great team of employees we have here at NBC. Uh, one of our best and brightest, Jeremy Satterfield, who lives in. Um, here in uh, Halifax County in uh, Scottsburg. Okay. Uh, he, um, it was one of my toughest decisions because this position opened up uh, for Microsoft and we knew the, the corporate folks that were putting this together. Right. And I went into Jeremy's office one day and I said, Jeremy, I said, do not take this the wrong way. You're a superstar, you're the best thing NBC has, but I've gotta have you apply for this job at Microsoft because right. you are perfect, wow. right? We need somebody in this role that, gets rural Virginia, that gets what NBC does, and can really take that Microsoft TechSpark initiative and make that impact with 4-H clubs, girls that code, right, all the different things that they're mm. doing. And he has done an amazing job. Um, I'll brag on him. I think he's one of the best employees that Microsoft has, just okay. my opinion. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> but being able to really make a difference and to show the face of, 
a multi-billion dollar corporation like mm, Microsoft, one of right. the biggest tech companies on the planet right. that gives a damn about our kids right. in rural Virginia, right? right? So that's, that's right. great. So uh, yeah, I think we're gonna continue to see investments from that. We hope that uh, when we're able to do a ribbon cutting for this building this fall, okay. Uh, as you see the Microsoft logo up here, right. uh, they have an experience center downtown and that will be opening uh, this fall once wow. Microsoft clears their facilities to be open uh, after the pandemic. Uh, so we're excited that we'll uh, hopefully get some Microsoft executives to come visit okay. South Boston and uh, do a little event to, to show their uh, continued support and what we're trying to do in, in rural Virginia. So uh, a lot of good things coming from that. Uh, as you know, their data center in Mecklenburg County yeah. just continues to expand uh, probably triple to quadruple the size in the next few years. Um, and they're very adamant publicly about that because cloud, Azure, uh, you mentioned the kids, Xbox games, right? right? A lot of that right. is hosted here in Boyton. Right. Uh, so that connectivity, the growth that they have is just gonna drive more and more investment, more and more uh, access to, to things that we're doing here in rural Virginia. Uh, in this entrepreneur stuff, getting people digital skills, right. that is huge. And we mm -hmm. just urge everybody that has an inkling of kind of getting into that world of technology. It's it's a little scary when you think about it, but you go through some of these classes and there's so much online for free right now and right. all these programs right. uh, that you can kind of get started, get your feet wet, see what you think about it. Uh, but it's, it's where the world's heading. Yes. Uh, and we want our folks to be prepared for that. Uh, and that's why we're investing in these entrepreneur startup programs, digital skills. Uh, it's important to Microsoft and it's important to us. And we hope it's important to the community um, so they can have those skills and be able to succeed as we, uh, as the world continues to change around us. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate it once again. And uh, that's why uh, we, we needed to do this interview to help just push that out throughout the community and throughout, you know, we have a, a, a wide reach ourselves as far as the network. And um, just to get this information out, I mean, because like I said before, it's, it's really phenomenal, Mr. DeRiso, and thank you once again. So as far as the youth is concerned, will they um, have access to uh, this particular building or, or anything in the future? Yeah, so in the future, we're going to be running uh, programs okay. where uh, they can come in either as through their K-12 through classes. Mm. Uh, we're going to have the Microsoft Experience Center set up where um, either through programs or classes that they're in, right. they can come and get demos of this Microsoft technology. And we're really excited about this called the HoloLens. So it's literally a device you put on your head wow. and it has holographic capability. Um, I demoed one of these in uh, Toronto at a Microsoft meeting I was at and just blown away. Wow. You can see, uh, they had one about manufacturing, industrial manufacturing. And you can see this hologram of this highly detailed piece of machinery and you're looking at it and the, the HoloLens knows where your pupils are looking in this digital image that literally doesn't exist. It's just a hologram image. Uh, and you can interact with it and you can do different things with your hands and just talking and it knows what you're doing. And, you know, we see that as the biggest uh, future of how that works. And you get kids in that. I mean, you know, Xbox, HD TVs, that's great, right? But you get this stuff and you get engaged. And wow. what we're hoping is to develop program for, you know, kids out of high school, in high school, out of the workforce or looking for something different. 
you know, coding new uh, applications, coding new development, um, yes, artificial intelligence, all yes, these things sir. that you can do uh, that it's right there. And this, we want this experience center downstairs to be an immersion to that wow. and get folks excited and fired up about digital skills and, you know, wanting to, uh, wanting to get into it. Wow. <laughs> I cried last week. I'm not going to cry this week. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but it's, oh, I, that's a lot to take in. I mean, that's, sure, a, sure. I mean, but it's, it's, that's spectacular, man. Yeah, because you think about the opportunities that folks have, and we were always right. about, you know, love of the playing field. I said, if you live in rural Virginia, you should not be punished because you don't have the right. same opportunities Absolutely. as a kid growing up in Loudoun County, right? Um, yeah, the incomes may be different. Yeah, the ability of a, a Chick-fil-A access may be different. Right. Uh, but the ability to, to say, hey, if I'm interested in a STEM field and want to get into engineering or want to better myself and get these opportunities, I should be able to do that. Yes. And that's what we're hoping to provide here with Microsoft and their passion for helping, you know, our communities to to get it done. And we're excited to be a part of that. Wow. Um, I, I was thinking as you were speaking, this has the opportunity because for a lot of our youth um, in Halifax County, because of the demographic, when they go off to school, they really don't have a place to come back to where they can make the money or have the career that they went out to get. Uh, moving forward, man, this has the ability to really reshape how, you know, <laughs> Southern Virginia is, Absolutely. man. I mean, Absolutely. and this is, this is great, this is great. Uh, I thank you so much for um, just taking this time out. Uh, it's, it seems that you have a lot going on here, uh, uh, and um, I would love to extend the opportunity to be a reoccurring guest. For Absolutely, us, man. And just Absolutely. to, you know, I know we can't do this all the time. You're a very busy man. But even if we would just audio and just to keep sure. us abreast, you know, once a month or something of that nature, man, because you have a lot going on and we'll be able to just help push that digital footprint out as well throughout the community um, and for our youth. Definitely. Oh, man, that's Definitely. that's beautiful. Now, one last question I have for you. Sure. Um, did you see this vision like this in the beginning? You know, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, when we initially came up with this idea and the business plan and saying, we think it can work, it makes sense, it's got to work. Right. Um, I couldn't have, have seen the level of success that right. we've been, right? Our, our objective day one was just to get to cash flow break even, right? right? Just keep the lights on. Right. Um, but as we've been able to grow and there's so much demand for this type of service and, you know, the, the staff that we have and continue to grow that, uh, it's just been instrumental to make all that work. So what we're excited about is seeing these kind of things come into fruition. I mean, did I ever see a Microsoft logo on a building in downtown South Boston? No. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was hoping we could right. see that. <laughs> right. But that's how it worked. That's dedication. And once again, you have a phenomenal team here and a phenomenal vision that you guys are, are placing forward for our community and our, especially our youth. So hopefully... And um, just moving forward, this will be something, you know, when I'm 70, 80 years old, I can say, well, you know, I did interview the president. <laughs> Back, uh, I really want to shake your hand, sir. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sean A. Boxdale, and this has been 10 Minutes of Truth. Forget about what somebody else think about you. What do you think about you? Your past don't define you. I'm Tad Dariso, and that's my truth. 
If you'd like to become a sponsor or advertise on 10 Minutes of Truth Podcast, contact me, Sean Barksdale. You can reach me at 434-446-6633 or shoot me a text. Or you can reach us at 10minutesoftruth.com. And remember, we'll always provide a platform for your truth on the 10 Minutes of Truth Podcast. What's your truth? <laughs>